This week on Between the Line, we've got an interview with Mr. Bobby Blakey. Now, Bobby um, and I met uh, during the press junket of Convergence. You'll hear us talk a little bit about that. But Bobby runs a website called Hollywood Matrimony, which is fantastic. So it's a review site um, in which uh, often uh, it's just Bobby, but sometimes it's him and his wife. They have their show that comes on as well. Uh, they have like a web, uh, a YouTube show. So it, it's really a cool, innovative way to kind of approach critique, and it's fun. But what I find more interesting is kind of getting Bobby's opinion on it, because here's somebody that worked for major news outlets as a critic. So it's not just like he had this website, and, and we called it in on that. Bobby literally was working for TheExaminer.com, which is a huge, uh, I believe, international, um, basically online presence online paper. And so he got to see all kinds of great stuff. He saw the Force Awakens press screenings. He got all the cool stuff. And so uh, we talk about how his life changed a little bit when even that publication decided to, to shift direction and, and I believe closed down. So Bobby jumped into where he was and, and, you know, has found his own niche and found his own voice, which I always find fascinating, certainly in this entertainment space. So that's the little teaser for this week's episode. Um, and, you know, you'll hear Bobby coming up in a minute. If I can just give a couple quick shout outs. Uh, obviously, we want to uh, to thank our sponsors, Fosco Coffee, which most people, unless you live along the Gulf Coast, have not yet had good stuff. Uh, we want to thank uh, Screenplay Readers. At, uh, you can go to ScreenplayReaders.com and at the uh, checkout code, you can type in uh, between the line and get 10% off. And then I just want to just shamelessly plug um, lens rentals, you know, sometimes you can't go to a camera house. Um, I just wanted to throw lens rentals out there just because I like borrow lenses as well, but lens rentals is more, um, East coast where we are. And so it's easier for us to get usually within a day or two days. Um, sometimes a day, it's pretty crazy. So lens rentals is amazing. Um, and, and in terms of like dealing with them and, and their process, they've always been very, very, their customer service is what just keeps me going back. And then they constantly send me these coupons. Like I got one the other day uh, and I'll share the code with you. If it still works, uh, try it. It's winter sale. Winter sale gave me 20% off. We had a thousand plus dollar rental and got taken down to 800 bucks. So I'm never going to complain about saving a little bit of money, especially when, you know, we're starting a business again for the fifth time, uh, launching back out there with craft show. So that's just my little shameless plug for them. So without further ado, here is Bobby with Hollywood Matrimony. Okay, so here we are with Bobby Blakey, and uh, Bobby's a good friend of mine. Uh, shamelessly, um, I met Bobby through the uh, Convergence uh, press junket stuff. Uh, we we actually hit it off, like we ended our interview, and we just kept going on and talking about Star Wars. I think that's a pretty fair, accurate memory. Is that correct, Bobby? Yeah, that that's pretty much how any good relationship starts with Star Wars. If you <laughs> if you can't if you can't connect with Star Wars, you can't connect with anything. Yeah, that's it. And it was like shortly after we get off this interview, we're talking back and forth. You know, we do the we do the whole thing, and then the next thing you know, it's like we're trading emails, and he's sending me pictures of his insanely awesome office slash man cave and his uh, your scout armor. Right, you had just finished it, or you were about to finish it, or whatever. Uh, the, the snow trooper. Snow trooper. Sorry, snow trooper armor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and of course, I'm just sending back hateful, jealous, uh, you know, replies because he's got like the coolest space you've ever seen in your life. Well, you know, on the flip side, you're out there making this cool movie and stuff and i'm having to sit in my room and talk about it so i have to have something 
<laughs> yeah, but the trade-off is, I would argue now, like, I laugh. Like, people ask me, well, have you seen this? Have you seen this? I was like, no, I haven't seen. Like, I'm at, and, and we'll go on to the website in a second. I'm, I'm on your website, and I'm looking at the front page, right, with the most recent films. And I'm going to be honest with you, I have seen not a single one of them. And there's some really <laughs> solid films on that page. Um, even films that a friend directed, like the, the Blair Witch. That, that's a guy from Alabama that directed that, Adam Wingard. And, like, I, I haven't right. even seen that. Um, it's terrible, man. Like, so while I'm working to, to do stuff, I don't get to watch anything anymore. And I started out a fan, like watching movies, not just, you know, it just led to, I need to make more stuff. So, well, I think a lot, I think a lot of people have a misconception too, when it comes to the reviewing and the, you know, the, there's both like, like you're saying, you know, you're really busy. The average person is too busy to watch movies all the time. And you get the flip side of people like, I'm so jealous of your job. You know, like, don't be because after a while, it, it, you lose some of the magic of watching movies sometimes because it becomes a job. You know, like there's movies that I don't review that I'm just watching because. But I find myself immediately looking for those things that what made it good, what made it bad, what didn't work. I, I want to be able to go back sometimes and just have a mindless viewing of something. Actually, you that's know, a good it, point. That's a really... Cause so, what is the last best mindless movie you saw? Like, what was the last movie that was that granted you the ability to not be a critic? What do you, do you know what it might be? Um, there's 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 actually been a few of them. Um, and and, I, and of course, I ended up reviewing it, but I only reviewed it because it came. They ended up sending it to me after the fact. But when I watched it, I had no intention of reviewing it, and it was that uh, that Tim Burton, Mrs. Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. And I, I, I'm a huge Tim Burton fan, and I wanted to see the movie. I, you know, he's had a couple bumps in the road as of late, but I thought, you know, I just want, and I was able to just watch the movie for what it was. I actually really enjoyed the movie, and then I felt the difference between it suddenly showing up, and I now I have to review it. But I had a different vision of the film than I have when I know I'm going to a press screening or I know they mailed me this, to, and I have to review it. You know, I got to just enjoy it for the the wackiness of it and the bizarre nature and and see kind of how it compared to Harry Potter and its own thing. It was, it was very much like, I don't know if you've seen that one at all, but uh, it's very much like the old Disney films when, you know, Disney didn't, wasn't afraid to scare children, you know, like race to oh, yeah. mountain and, you know, things like that. It, it's very much like that kind of thing. See, that's the good stuff too. Like, cause now my daughter's being introduced um, to certain things and, and like, I don't know, I walked in the other day and my wife had Beetlejuice on. I was like, I think she's too, a little too young for that. But like, the you know the race to witch mountain was a classic that terrified me what's the what's the woods one the um there's uh oh my god is it into, in, is it into the woods not into the woods there was that <laughs> other the other horror film um not horror but it was a disney film that was oh i can't think I know, of it i know what you're talking about um we're yeah, both having brain farts about it <laughs> yeah yeah but it doesn't matter so so yeah so that's cool that you at least so i haven't seen that yet so at least there's something and does that does that ever did it benefit your review at all? And we need to actually tell after this question, we'll tell people what the hell's going on here. But uh, did it benefit your <laughs> review at all? Like, like being able to see well, it kind of clean and then not. Uh, it, it did, but I also approach reviewing probably a little different than a lot of people. Um, the way I go into any review anyway is, is kind of with a, an understanding of filmmaking and, and doing some stuff that I've done. But in this case, I was able to, as a fan, have I'd already enjoyed the film and I knew what I loved about the film, and I didn't have those things that said it was good, but you know I didn't like this person's acting or accent. I didn't care, you know. So it made it a little easier from that point, but also made it a little harder because now I had to sit and think what made this movie good, you know what, you know I love the movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It's a horror, horrible yes. film, 
but I love the movie, but I couldn't tell you why I love that movie. I love it because it's ridiculous, you know? <laughs> so I'm it's, with you, 100% behind you. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's one of those things, but I try to approach reviews anyway from kind of a, 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 a not so much of the the cliche that, you know, it has to be artsy and I have to jump on the bandwagon and hate stuff that just because everybody else hates it, but also from the filmmaker side of it. Because knowing how much work goes into like one minute of film, that tells me like I always in every review try to find something good in a film, even if I despise the movie. I try to find something and then at least end it with saying, don't take my word for it. Go see it for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let now now that we've done this like kind of lead in thing, which will be great sound bites uh, also for the hold the roll episode for this week. Um, so let, let's jump back kind of forward in a circle and and let's kind of talk about like where you came from starting with where you are now right so you have your website that you that is your primary avenue now which is called hollywood matrimony correct yes and you can go to hollywoodmatrimony.com you guys should go there basically bobby and i once i once i figured out that bobby and i connected he became kind of my barometer for uh for film stuff and because there's a lot of times i only get to watch one or two films and i do actually use your reviews to kind of help guide me um, between me and my wife, because she might want to see something, and I'll say I don't think so, and I can steer out of it. And I use I, I pull you up, and I'm like, look, look what Bobby says, um, and kind of go that direction with it. Well, it, well, it's funny about this is the before I started doing this site, I was reviewing some other stuff that we can talk about if we get to it. But the whole purpose behind the Hollywood matrimony was just that thing you're talking about. Um, me and my wife have been talking about for years doing like a review show, like a YouTube show or something of a married couple arguing or discussing whatever the case was about movies because we all with your spouse significant other you leave a film and you may love it and they hate it and you think their their reason for hating it is stupid they think you make no sense because you liked it and we thought it was funny so that's where the the whole hollywood matrimony idea was to play on the hollywood you know a holy matrimony but also the flip side of just love of film and being married to that mentality so there's reviews in there that are written by me and there's reviews that are written by my wife and there's sometimes there's reviews written by both of us for the same movie to see our differences of opinion. Right. Yeah, which is what gives it gives you uh, to me is what gives it a completely unique perspective, which is what I'm I'm always after because like I can go to some of the other sites and read. Uh, not th- these are my words, and I'm claiming all responsibility for these words. Somewhat generic reviews where um, I often wondered if the filmmaker or I mean if the reviewer even watched the film or and and that's a question I'll, I'll come circle back to you, but. You know, I, I didn't fully know what they were what they were trying to get at in the review. It was almost just kind of like they're either spewing hate or spewing love, but they're not giving me any reason to fall in love with the film. Um, whereas when I get both perspectives, it actually helps me understand it and, and it helps me connect better. And so I, I don't know. I, I It's a really innovative way of approaching it for sure. It's, it's nobody else is doing it, which is the, the A plus for you for sure. Yeah, well, and that that was one of the reasons it came up is, is uh, ironically enough, you're talking about people bashing it. When the movie uh, Riddick came out, uh, the last one, uh, Vin Diesel and Dave Bautista and Katie Sackhoff, they, that movie came out, and I enjoyed the movie. You know, it was a mindless movie. You know, <laughs> it wasn't art, <laughs> cinema-type, you know, artsy stuff, but it was art in its own right, and it was exactly what I expected. So when I gave it a decent review, I reviewed it based on the movie and the action and the story, and I actually got a tweet from Dave Bautista thanking me for not just bashing Vin Diesel, saying, thanks for your honest review. Glad you liked the movie, but thank you for not bashing Vin Diesel because that has nothing to do with the movie. Yeah, and that's and again, that's, that's the whole thing. 
my only frustration with that movie was one of the few times I'm a huge fan of the Riddick series, like huge fan. I love the third one. I think the second one is one of my favorite. It's just a, it's just a movie I like watching. And, um, I think my only complaint was having inside baseball knowledge, right? I, I insider baseball in, in that I kind of could see the, the production shift of, oh, I can tell they shot him out in five days or seven days or 10, you know, cause the way that Vin Diesel was actually thrown throughout the movie, it was, that hurt me more, but but at the same time, for the story, for what it was, I totally loved it. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And see, that's that's basically the same thing from a, a filmmaker's perspective of the filming as mine is on the reviewing that we were talking about earlier. Is you have a different view sometimes of what people don't see. I have the same thing when I watch a any martial arts related fight on film because of my martial arts background. I start judging and reading what they're doing, and sometimes I can't say, you know what, these people aren't martial artists; they're movie people. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it, it kind of takes that away from me sometimes, and then it's hard to let it go. Yeah, I have that problem. I'm a, I'm a shooter, um, uh, an avid shooter, uh, like gun wise, and I, I so therefore I pay attention to a lot of you know where the booger hook is and and other stuff. And and the thing that drives me crazy is when I see like an optic put on backwards. So I'm with you. I completely, I'm a hundred percent behind you on that, uh, and and I totally get it. So. Do you, when you approach the film, because one of the things that I thought was really interesting coming off of, you know, Convergence being my first big press push that they they did stuff with, um, coming off of that, I often question like, you know, what is it like on the reviewing side? Because sometimes I wondered if they sent this reviewer an online link, the temptation to have four windows open and one of them is Twitter, one of them is, you know, Facebook, and then you've got the movie playing in the top right-hand corner. How much of the movie are you going to actually watch? What's the approach like on that? Because have you ever found yourself, is it harder to watch an online screener than it is like a, a Blu-ray or DVD or I see 4K, you lucky son of a gun, you? Is it, harder, <laughs> is it harder to watch that stuff than it is to watch an online, I mean, online screener versus watching one of those? I'll be perfectly honest. I hate online screeners. But it's not for the reason you said with having multiple things. Because when I watch a screening, uh, a film online, or, or I, I multitask everything I do. I'm, I'm probably one of the few reviewers that will be at my drawing table or writing another review while watching a movie. But it's because my mind l- lets me do that. And if I see something that it looked important and I missed it, or if I go to review it and I'm like, wait a minute, that didn't just the ending didn't make sense. I'll actually rewatch the movie or rewind it to that point just in case. But on the online screenings, if I'm watching an online screener, I shut everything else down, in, except for maybe writing a review while I'm watching it. Right. But I have that being the focal point. Uh, I don't like them because I hate sitting at my computer watching TV. Um, <clears throat> if I can throw it up onto my regular television, then I'll watch it a little bit. Like I have three online screeners I have to watch, and those are the most, always the ones I go to last because I'm like, oh, <laughs> i got to sit here in this uncomfortable spot, you know. See, I'm telling totally you. Interrupted. And, and people will be like, well, why don't you just hook it up to your TV? But it's not the same thing. My concern was always this. I spent tons of time, energy, and, and, and frankly, money making sure that the sound mix was adequate. And sometimes those online screeners are only sent out. And I, I happen to to figure it out, but they were sending out a stereo version. Well, the stereo version of at least my film as a filmmaker, I was like, you're, you're robbing the audience and, and certainly the reviewer of one of the most important pieces, which is our sound mix. It tell, helps tell the damn story. Like the camera is 50% and sound is the other 50. And so many times people kind of overlook that side of it too. And that's where the screener online just kills me. Oh yeah, I would have. I totally agree because that was one of the big things I, I and I think we talked about it that I like the music and the sound of your movie and the noises that you're hearing in the background that are sometimes they're booming but subtle that they, they catch you and you don't know why something's unnerving and it was because of the sound that you wouldn't have got on the the little computer screen. Yeah, totally right. 
So, but so, the, the, here's the uh, here's the problem with that. Just as a, a so I can vent my complaint. The problem with this is it's the studios not wanting to have to spend money on sending out the review, the Blu-rays and the DVDs to people, which I get. So they do these online links, but you also don't get the full experience to get comfortable and enjoy the film. You have a lot of people that are taking them and they don't watch them and they sell them back to the store to half price books or whatever the case is. So it's kind of made the the, the PR people in the studios not want to send out as much stuff. So it, it becomes a struggle for us just trying to get things sometimes. But to see that that's funny to me because that would also alter the entire experience. So suddenly if you're left in a, in a situation as a reviewer and, and here you are, you're a critic, you're, you're a clearly well-founded critic. We know that, but like if they're, if they're not sending a, a critic, a way to watch the film, to be critical of the film from where that comes from, the artistic critique of the picture, then how can you actually really be reviewing it? And that's where I get, I get super frustrated with the online banter. So, and, and pardon this, and this is just my two-second rant, is like, for example, the movie Deadpool, and this will get me some flames for sure. People will troll me and hate me. <laughs> the movie Deadpool, totally adequate movie. I have no complaints. I thought it was funny. I enjoyed it. But it wasn't the most amazing film I'd ever seen like it was when it came out online. Like, when people started reviewing that film, they acted like it was the holy grail of all movies. Um, but for me, it was more like, oh, that was really fun. I enjoyed it. I get it. They put a lot of shock shock value, like morning DJ type stuff in there, so it didn't like blow me away. But that you know, for me, it was just kind of like, had I because I watched a screener of it, had I seen it potentially, and it was a uh, online one. It was not a pirated one. It was a legal thing. But had I watched it maybe in the theater with other people, it would be a different experience. I, I don't know. I mean, there's so many other moments that go into it that maybe change the kind of output that you're going to generate from that. Well, and, and what like I have that same issue a lot of times. I get in arguments with with other critics, and it's one of these things that, you know, it's like the press with it, with politics and everything else. As soon as you get enough of the critics that are considered the go to voices, and if they hated it or they disliked it, the masses jump on it. Like for instance, Rotten Tomatoes. I have nothing against Rotten Tomatoes, but I know people that if Rotten Tomatoes gives it a bad percentage. They will not pay to go see the movie, and they justify it by saying, well, I have to buy this many tickets for all these people, my kids and this and that, and if it's not good, I'll wait for it to be a rental. But I'm like – and then they rent it, and sometimes they're like, oh, this movie is amazing. I should have saw it in theaters. I was like, yeah, you should have. Stop listening to other people. I personally think the whole purpose of being a critic is to just give me an idea because I read other people's reviews and stuff too, and it's just to give me an idea of what somebody thought about it and maybe what this movie's bringing to the table because sometimes – a review I read made a movie better because either I didn't know something about the production or I didn't had bigger expectations and it calmed me down a little bit saying, okay, this person hated it. And I went into it. I'm like, I don't understand why they hated it. Whereas if not, I might've jumped on that bandwagon. But if you have 15 people that say they hate it, is that one person is going to like it's the minority and they're looked at like there's something wrong with them. No, totally with you. And, and, and it's it's an interesting side, certainly for like our audience to a degree is, is you know, a, a lot of filmmakers, a lot of people. It's not just filmmakers. We've been fortunate to have like people in the industry, whether it's uh, music, some sort of entertainment on, on all sides of it. I, so have you hit that spot? I mean, because because you get to do a lot of the bigger shows and, and I know you do some indies as well. But have you hit that spot where have you ever had it where you hit a wall? Where you're like, man, I really wanted to like it, but it just didn't work for me have you ever have you ever found yourself like 
pulling back a little bit or and I know you always find a positive, but have you ever hit that wall where even the filmmaker reached out to you or have you ever had to give information back? Has that ever been requested? Of you? Uh, well, what I try to do is, is I mean, I've given some scathing reviews to stuff. I have. I'm not going to lie. I try to always make it impersonal, not attacking an actor. I try not to say everybody's acting sucks, but you all say the performances were weak or they did too much of this. You know, I try to explain what my thought is as opposed to just this person sucks and I hate them, which is what a lot of people say. Um, I try to say, well, they should have fleshed this out. I try to explain why I didn't like it. You know, why, like, like for instance, with the last Jack Reacher movie that came out, as a whole, the movie's fine. It's an, just an action movie. It's nothing amazing. But there's an aspect of the story with this little girl that I hated. It's in the book, but I hated it in the movie. And I, in my review, I wrote, I said, I know this is part of the story in the book. I hated this. I thought it slowed the movie down and it made a problem for me. You know, so I try to point those things out. I'll try to say something, you know, like, I'm one of those people that I think the last couple of Harry Potter movies totally missed the mark. Uh, they blew opportunity. I hated the Hunger movies. I hate the Twilight movies. So I'll tell you what I think while trying to find positives, but I'm not afraid. It took me a long time as a reviewer, especially when somebody sends you something for free to review. Oh, right. It's hard to say this sucks. <laughs> you know, yeah, you gave me something for free, and I'm gonna be an ass. You know, um, I try to not do that. And if I if I I've had to interview people where I really did not like their films, so instead of just saying you know you could have worked a little bit on this, I try to just talk to them about the filmmaking, or the casting, or something. So I don't have to be the jerk, which a lot of filmmakers are. I mean, uh, reviewers are to people. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you, and I think. Would you? Some of that comes from because you've got a little bit of inside. You've been around the industry for a while, and and certainly like you're you're familiar with competition from your martial arts background. And so I kind of wanted to jump back a little bit and and use that as a segue to tease into it. So let's go back to kind of what led you into it. How did you? I mean, obviously you have a love for movies, and and more importantly, the greatest film of all time, Star Wars. So um, what led you into kind of following or pursuing this more from a from a writing side of it, and then in that same thing is like from the martial arts side, because obviously you're very devoted and, and, and as I know you could kill me with your pinky. I get it. I respect <laughs> you for it. But I mean, how did, did either of those ever overlap and, and kind of give you any guidance in, in searching through that journey? Long question. I know. Sorry. No, it, it actually, actually exactly did. Uh, there was an, an, actually another element too. Um, originally I was doing, um, being, I'm also a cartoonist. So I, I draw my own cartoons and stuff and I, and I was doing a web comic um, that I did for like six years and I was getting running out of stories and kind of getting tired of wanting to take a break. But as you know, if you have a website, if you have no new content, people leave. So I was trying to figure out something new for the website on the review side. And so I decided to start reviewing movies because I was renting movies every week anyway, just because I love movies. So I would write a review, but I have this, um, my art company is called Big Dumb Gorilla Studios. And I had this gorilla character named Doug and so I decided that with every review I did, I would draw a, a, a original piece of art of Doug dressed as a character or something from the movie. And so it had the review, and it was Doug, and it was Doug reviewing the movie, so he's kind of dumb. So it was a legitimate review, but it was kind of silly the way he would say stuff and things like this. <clears throat> On the flip side, uh, one of my uh, now black belts, um, she was uh, not a black belt at the time, but her husband and sis uh, cousin – we're making some independent films, and they needed a, somebody to help out with some fighting stuff and simple stuff. So I started working on some low-budget independent films, doing fight choreography and stunt work with them. 
Uh, then it spawned me to kind of want to write my own things. I made it, you know, nothing like your film, but I made some very low-budget, independent, local stuff with friends. And, and, and at the end of the day, I, I got to where trying to get people together and money and stuff, I just didn't have that kind of time and clearly wasn't willing to focus to try to make a real feature. So I shifted back to my comic. And from there, ironically, with us doing this new site with my wife, my wife is the one that found um, an ad for TheExaminer.com uh, looking for reviewers. And so I submitted to them and got a job with them for, you know, I think it was five, six years uh, doing stuff for their website before they shut it down and kind of shifted everything to just full up, full-time reviewing from there. And then in, when they shut it down in July, uh, we were already planning to launch this site and it kind of became this. So – so in a weird way, I mean, not not in a weird way, but in a, in a somewhat serendipitous way. I mean, it led you to where you needed to be. I'm I'm a big proponent right now for um, voices getting out on their own. Like I, I think you know whether you're a filmmaker, whether you're a writer, whether you're uh, a musician or an artist of any sort or, or a craftsman or anything. I, I'm really for people getting back into doing it on their on their own, and I think that that's what makes you know for me that's what makes America a wonderful place is that we have the opportunity to fight for that opportunity right and that's not being political i'm just saying in general i think everybody has the dream and sometimes it's those odd moments that give you the chance to really punch through and 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 make those uh make that transition over well it is and and you know i i kind of didn't pay a lot of attention to it you know because it's so easy to make a not easy but you know accessible to make a film now or to make your own comic book or or have a website or whatever but I didn't really realize how many people weren't really taking advantage of it until the examiner shut down um, because all these reviewers that had been writing for examiner for years basically were done. You know, they had wow. to tell people, Hey, I can't come to screenings anymore. I don't have anywhere to do a review. We luckily had already had this in mind. We were already working on it. We weren't planning to launch it. We were going to kind of quietly launch it and let it run for like a year, get it built up the numbers and then shift everything to that. But by the time it was, I believe it was Fourth of July weekend. They shut down Examiner. By that Monday or Tuesday, I had a fully populated site online ready to go. So I had no downtime. Oh, that's brilliant. But there were so many people that were like, I'm not doing anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do. And they're still not reviewing anymore. They just quit and moved on. Well, that's kind of like the great struggle of all of it is any of us as indie guys and gals out there, not just filmmakers. I mean, just in the business. If you're an independent business, that's the great challenge. Is like once that if you work for a big company and the big company goes away, you've got to find the motivation, the drive, and, and sometimes the funds um, to get creative and, and kind of pull it off on your own. The uptick is, is is if you've done your job right at one of these bigger places over the years, it gives you an opportunity to, to leverage that, which clearly you did brilliantly, and have set yourself up in a position to continue to grow and kind of build off of that. So, you know, kudos, man. I'm, 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 I'm glad you're still around for sure. Well, it, it's one of those things you have to, and I appreciate that. I mean, it, I, I love doing it, so I... I as much work as it is that I didn't really think about having to run the full site by myself. You know, my wife's involved with some of the reviewing, but essentially any article you see, any review in here, probably 98% of it is all me alone and including updating the site, everything else. And it's a lot of work. And, you know, despite what some people may think, there is really no money in review, being a reviewer <laughs> unless you're, you know, one of these big wig people. And that's going back to something we were talking about earlier. That's a really big struggle for people being a reviewer like this is, it's hard to get them to send you. Like when I shifted to this, the biggest thing that I lost was my status as far as getting interviews more often. You know, with Examiner because they, had, you know, were all over the world with all the different reviewers. 
I could get an interview right away. If somebody emails, you want an interview? Yes, I'll do it. I had it. Now, there's a 50-50 shot I'm not getting it because my traffic is not as big as it once was with them because I'm having to rebuild the site from the ground up. So I had good rapport, so I still get the press screenings. I still get most of the Blu-rays and stuff I used to get, but I don't get a lot of the perks that I had before. So I'm having to basically from the ground up build up, but I also don't have the restrictions that Examiner gave me on what I can and can't put up, how I have to write, what, when it needs to be up, all that kind of stuff. So it's it's funny because like you get a screening, say for like Rogue One, uh, or when Force Awakens came out, they did a screening, and they only allowed, I think it was four to ten reviewers there, and they were all just the big paper type, you know, the the big newspapers and news companies or those kind of things. They didn't let any of the little people come. And I'm like, okay, that's good, but those people are the ones that tend to bash half of what y'all release. We're the little people that really care and actually love film. That's their job. You know, but that's not how big, you know. That's not how they see it. They need the people that are going to get the widest voice, which I'm, it makes sense, but it's, it is frustrating on this side of it. Well, it's interesting to me because we were, we were talking about it uh, just the other day. Uh, we were talking about the idea that, you know, if you look at the amount of media consumption now, the funny thing is the bigger voices uh, in anything, sometimes it's whether it's studio level uh, productions or, or uh, large network productions, whatever it might be, they still get a lot of draw and they will always pull that because they have the, the mega dollars to do the marketing and push the film forward, which is a big part of a film's release is the marketing. In fact, I'd argue that it's, it's maybe the most important thing you could possibly take in mind is, is winning over um, an audience to, to, to continue to watch the film with positive reviews. And, and you know, you got to put the money in to make it and so forth. It's kind of a, a, a cyclical uh, effect. But we were talking about the amount of content. One of the things that's been challenging for me is weeding through all the stuff that I feel like is, um, I know n- nobody does this and I'm air quoting, th- that's not paid and, and the stuff that's, that's not, uh, th- that's genuine. So to me, a lot of times the, I've been joking on the, on the other pot sister podcast on hold the roll. I've been joking that it's like a hype virus. It's like, it's like, um, like a zombie movie. All of a sudden, once somebody gets bit by this virus, everybody's on the hype train and, and certainly falling in love with it and doing that. And so for me, like the prime example, and I'd love to, to, to talk about it if you, if you are so inclined, but one of the big ones for me was rogue one, right? I loved that movie. I enjoyed it, but I couldn't stand the first half of that film. I thought it was the most boring dread in the world and it just didn't work for me. Not as a filmmaker, as a, I came at, I came into it as a star Wars fan. I turned off my brain. I prepared myself mentally, but I came into it. But the, you, you look online and you would think it people saying it's better than empire and, and better than in a new hope and I take a lot of you know if they want to say better than Jedi fine even though I think Jedi is a superior film they, they still the hype got them and suddenly it's like this is the greatest film ever made a Star Wars movie ever made well maybe because it just came out right right well you know it, it's before talking about Rogue One you know it's one of those things that everybody has problems with the prequels or most people but when the prequels came out despite complaints people were talking about how much they loved them too Absolutely. It wasn't until the next one came out, and then they hated that one, and then the next one came out, and then they hated them both, and then after a year or two passed, they're the worst movies ever made. And it's because everybody else decided that. Like, I love the prequels. Do they have problems? Of course. You know, I think episode one is hor- horrifically boring, but I still enjoy watching it. Um, Rogue One I loved, but I agree there's a lot of slow moments in it. I think I was more uh, outside of the Star Wars stuff. The Donnie Yen edition of the martial arts made me love the film more, so do I – I think it was up in the realm for me with Empire and, and Return of the Jedi and the original Star Wars. Do I think it's better? Not necessarily. Empire will always be my favorite film, 
in the series. I don't I don't think you can change that, but it's not just because of for me it's not just because it's a better movie, not because it's a better made movie. It's because I like that story. I like the specific direction they went at that time and they're not going to redo that. You know, they're going somewhere else now. So it's like I try not to compare them like, you know, everybody's like, which one do you think is the best? I'm like, if I have to tell you, it's this one. But this movie is better than this movie because that's my opinion. My opinion has no relevance. It's just because what I like, you know. Exactly. I've liked a lot of crappy movies that people are looking at me like, how do you watch that? How do you own that? I'm like, because it's hilarious. You know, and I'm the only one laughing. (laughs) You know, I don't care. I'm with you on it. Look, I, I'm the same way. I, um, th- by the way, Donnie Yen and, and the inclusion of the martial arts in the Star Wars universe was the most brilliant thing they've ever done. Um, I just, for me, my, my complaints were more narrative driven. I just didn't care about characters. Um, I, like I just didn't connect to, to Jen Erso whatsoever. And I really wanted to for my daughter. I, you know, I'm, I've, I, I like to call myself a, a, a new feminist um, just because I have <laughs> two, two girls now. I'm very conscious of stuff. So I was happy to see a, a female in a role and kind of leading the charge. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Ray fan as well. But, you know, for me, it was just there was this huge disconnect in the film until. And, you know, at this point, I think we're spoiler safe. And on this show, we, we don't care. But uh, until her father passed away, I, I just didn't feel like there was anything there um, aside from. Donnie Yen and I forget the other fellow's name, but but those two I cared about. I wanted to know everything about them. Like I was already in my mind, like where's this story going? I want to know. I want their prequel story. I want to know where they came from. Sorry about that. That's all right. Somebody didn't like my opinion of Star Wars. <laughs> well, and my dog's name is Vader. Does that maybe that works in? Oh, that's probably um. exactly it. <laughs> And and to show my super nerd side, the other guy's name is Baz Malbus. Um, oh, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> I should know that already. But I, I actually saw the movie, and just this is kind of before going back into Rogue One, one of the misconceptions about a lot of critics is they're like, well, of course you liked it, or of course you didn't like it because you didn't pay for it. Right. I've seen Rogue One six times. Right. I only saw it once for free. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm had with to you. pay for these movies. You know, and when me and my wife review a movie online for our live show together, Half the time I saw the screening or she saw the screening alone, we paid to see it again. Right. So we can see it together to discuss. Even if she goes, it's horrible, don't watch it, then we got to talk about it. Right. You know, right. so, but going back into that, I'm kind of with you. Like, I, I felt the disconnect there because I felt the same thing, but I almost felt like maybe it was on purpose because they, they didn't want us to get too invested because they knew where they were going to have to take them. And I think part of what made kind of hurt the making of this film kind of from the beginning not in a way that, like I said, would ever ruin the movie, but I think knowing that there's nothing to build up too much to these characters without getting to where the ultimate end is, it's like we don't want to spend a lot of downtime of let's spend a lot of time with this one and this one and this one because they're not going to matter later anyway, even though they do, if that makes any sense how I'm saying it. <laughs> no, totally, totally right. And <laughs> but I'm I agree with you, with you completely. I, I think there's a, a, a really badass movie that focuses on Chirrut and Baz and a whole, and they could do, you know, a prequel film about the temple and the guarding of the temple, and maybe where Baz lost his faith and, and all that stuff. I think that is the movie that I want to see that it will probably never get made. Yeah, I know it'll be a good book though, because you know they're going to put the book out on that. They have to. Like, there's no way. Or, you know, I would have loved to have. I'm a big Rebels fan. Um, that's the other podcast. One of the other podcasts I host is is a Rebels podcast, and I we were just going bananas over the opportunity to maybe work those guys into rebels. Um, certainly season three, which is so dadgum good. It's insane. 
Um, I would love to see that too. Cause rebels is, is my star Wars expanded universe that I'd never, you know, w- once Disney bought and killed all my, my Timothy Zahn off, um, I need my Thrawn fix. And so at least I have that there. So maybe they'll, they'll work them in that way as well. Well, and uh, are you caught up on this season? Uh, I am one episode off, but yeah, I'm, I'm more or less. Okay. Well, up. I think I believe, and I haven't watched the latest episode too, but I know what it's about, but without spoiling anything, they are officially kind of connecting it with rogue one. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, so and but I agree. There's all stuff they can do there, and 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 if you and I'm sure you being the fan, you may have probably looked too. But there was a ton of rebels references in Rogue One. Oh yeah, <clears throat> which shows that they want to keep that stuff connected, and they're trying to make remind everybody, hey, this is in the real world of this universe. So no matter what we do, we can bring these people in and work them around and and do whatever they want, which I think is amazing since they never really tried to do that before. It's also a really cool storytelling thing. I mean, it's it's what the Marvel universe. I'm not a big fan of Daredevil, so I, for me, it's it's I, I'm I'm impartial to it. But it's what the Marvel universe has tried to do with the Netflix spinoff shows, and those don't work as well to me because there's a big logic flaw I can't get around, and and I've just not been able to disconnect through it. But it's kind of interesting to see that Disney's able. To, I mean, again, they're a bigger machine, but Disney owns Marvel, so I wish they would. I wish they found a better way of tying them all together as well, because then you would like the 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 tie-in from how clean Rogue One sets up the movie that made me fall in love with movies is why I love Rogue One, right? The fact that I got to finally see what happened in that one line, that one sentence that meant everything to me and certainly changed my entire perspective of the Star Wars universe in in the way that characters interacted going forward. I mean, it changes A New Hope drastically. Yeah, and I've refused. We We did a marathon before seeing Rogue One of all seven movies and we even watched... Uh, the five episodes of season five of Clone Wars, where they originally debuted Saw. Right. Um, so we were fully prepared, and then I, but I purposely refused to watch A New Hope since I've seen Rogue One because I want to wait till it comes out on Blu-ray and watch them back to back at home. Brilliant. So there's not that, you know. So because I know it's going to make that that difference in the film and making it, and and I I cross my fingers and knowing the Disney machine and the love of money, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one day they release like this supercut. That was Rogue One. Star Wars is one long film, which would be awesome. Oh come on, man! That's like the I have. I literally have goosebumps right now when you said that. I, if, <laughs> that, I know this is an audio podcast. I'll describe them. They're bumpy and they're on my arms, right? And it's, there's but, but there's no gooses involved. <laughs> but there's no gooses, and some people juggle geese. Um, so let, let's kind of so so obviously we can read all the reviews and this I'm going to plug the site one more time and then I have another question for you so we can read all the views you can go over to hollywoodmatrimony.com I, I highly suggest it I'm telling you right now it's where to go do you accept uh, screeners from indie filmmakers I do and I love to get them I've gotten I've actually seen movies that I'll see it like on Facebook somebody shares or it's one of those advertisements I've reached out to indie filmmakers myself and said, you know, hey, I would love to check out your film, you know, if you want to send it to me, you know, they don't know me from a hole in the wall, so sometimes you get them to, sometimes, you know, they're, they don't have the budget to send you one, or whatever their excuse is, uh, but yes, I totally do, uh, and I and I try to review them differently than I would review a 15, you know, or $300 million blockbuster, because I know what goes into making a film, so I try to look at it and say, you know, you, I'll tell a review sometime, I'll say, you have to understand this is an independent film, so when you go into it, you have to understand that because a lot of times they look independent. You know, the performances may not be or the editing may not be just perfect because of what they had to work with. So I try to make a review work towards the benefit of that film based on what they put into it. Now, if it's a random studio that sends it to me, 
I still try to do that, but it's also getting somebody to push for them. So I'll try to review it more like a standard film, if any of that makes any sense. Yeah, that totally does. And and actually, that's really cool to know because, like, again, when I was uh, peddling um, uh, Convergence uh, pre getting picked up by a label, like when I was peddling, like that's exactly what I do is I hit up every single at the time you were still at the, the at the uh, um, Inquirer, but. I was literally trying to hit up every independent review uh, avenue I possibly could and even hitting up some of the uh, you know more notable ain't it cools and all those sites. So I was hitting them all up. But the funny thing was is like half the time you don't get a response and then the other times, you know, it's someone you can tell they watched it in like five minutes and just threw it away or they wanted you to pay for it. And I have an issue with that altogether because that, that's a whole nother beast to me. Um, right. The reality for me is and, and that's just a, on a on a film side. But as an indie guy, I didn't mind paying for him because, again, I didn't have my foot in the door in that space. Um, but I think it's fascinating that you do that and you certainly approach it with a different perspective because that's the one thing uh, that's missing a lot of times is the voice that's going to look at an independent film and certainly someone's like hard-lined approach. They've done everything they can. They spend every penny they can. Who knows how many credit cards are maxed? And and it's nice to have someone look at it with the with the lens of knowing that that they put a lot of love into it. So kudos, man. That's that's fantastic. Hopefully, some of our our listeners will take you up on it, and you'll get bombed with uh, lots of good movies. <laughs> well, I, I will say this: I'm I am unlike most reviewers, and my wife gives me crap about it all the time. But it's I know she she's glad I do this, but I will refuse to review a movie if I do not watch it. And even if I have to turn it off, I won't I won't even write a review uh, because I don't think it's fair. Because I've seen numerous movies that I thought were horrible and then the last five minutes turned everything around and if I can't watch a movie from beginning to end or I just don't get a chance to I just won't review it um, because I don't think it's fair to the people that made the film whether it's an independent film or a major blockbuster it's not fair for me to tell somebody my thoughts and and potentially ruin their you know not that my one review is going to ruin it but ruin their chance of having a successful piece or product when I didn't take the time to invest in the to watch it. They invested to make it. I should have to invest to watch it from beginning until those credits roll. And if I don't, you know, I've done that a lot with movies I rent. They're so bad. I just don't even remember. I'm like turned off. I'm like, I can't review this, <laughs> you know, <I'm> just, <laughs> you know, and, and, and but I, again, it's, it's, I get a lot of reviewers that will argue with me about that. With you need to let them know other people shouldn't have to suffer through that film. I was like, other people might like that film. Right. Just cause you didn't, doesn't mean it's a bad movie. See, that's where I'm a hundred percent on your back too, man. Cause like that, that's the whole key is, it should be about exposure, like you said at the very beginning, like getting getting it out there, letting people know where you stand on it. But it's also, you know, it's it's a it's a solid review. It's a critique. It's the right thing it's supposed to be. So looking at 2016, obviously Rogue One off the table because you see it six times in theaters. That's a pretty big deal. But Rogue One off the table. Do you have what are you, what are your films of 2016 that you what what movies should people watch if you got like three, four, five of them, whatever? But off the top of your head, what are, what are your films that people should watch 2016? Um, I guess going stuff that I guess most of that stuff would be end up being on Blu-ray and DVD now going in and <laughs> coming back and forth. Um, um, Fences, and I know we talked about it a little bit briefly before we got on there. Fences is amazing. Um, that movie is one of those movies that, to me, is just about pure performance. Um, but if you, I always try to warn people because it is literally set up like the stage play come to film. It's shot like it's a stage production everything it's 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 got a budget you know they're shooting on location but my wife who is a um a big theater musical theater person where i did all the fights and stunts, she did musical theater singing and acting 
um, she saw that right away. Once she realized that's what they were going for, the movie's so much more powerful. And it's to me that should be the movie that should be winning everything, not La La Land. But <laughs> yeah, but I'm with you. That's just my opinion. Um, I didn't see a La La Land, but um, what else is out? A Monster Calls is amazing. Uh, I don't know if you you haven't seen that one yet. Have you? I haven't seen it. I've just seen like everybody says that it's amazing. Like it, that is a just a beautifully fantastic film. It is. It's one of those. It's 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 kind of a family filmish, if you want to. Um, very much like we're talking about, like those movies that might scare children back in the day unintentionally. You know, not not because it's violent or a horror film, but it it does have some very scary moments. But there's so much emotion to that movie that I didn't expect. You know, I, I figured from the trailers, I knew what was happening. I knew what the story was going to be. My wife did too. Uh, she hasn't seen it yet, but when I came home, I'm like, you're right and you're wrong, but it's nothing like what you think. And Felicity Jones uh, from Rogue One, ironically, uh, she has a she does amazing. If you have any questions about her acting in Rogue One, for anybody that might have had a problem with her, she totally shows you a totally different side of her on that film that she's amazing in. Killer. <clears throat> um, trying to think what else, what else, what else. <laughs> There's another movie... <laughs> That it's hard for me to to to. It's a movie called Patterson. Um, that's got Adam Driver in it, who ironically played Kylo Ren. I'm I'm thinking maybe I just want to see Star Wars actors. It's starting um, to sound that way. <laughs> but it's it's this movie that it's hard for me to recommend because it's really really good, but it's really really boring. If that makes any sense. Absolutely. Because not because it's a bad movie. It's because it's just about normal mundane life. Interesting. And I, I think I wrote in my review, um, this movie, Most a lot of people will hate this movie because they go to the movie to get out of their Monday schedule of life. And this movie takes you back to that, but it's very engaging. <clears throat> but it's one of those that, you know, a lot of people may be like, yeah, that movie sucked. <laughs> no, I totally get it. But sometimes those work. I mean, sometimes there's a, I, sometimes it's great to feel something beyond the excitement of the Guardians of the Galaxy Two trailer. You know, it's, right. like, it's cool to, to step away from the popcorn and force myself into a little bit of a space. And so I have those times. My wife does not like those because she's a big horror movie fan, so she needs a scare gag every five minutes. So, oh, gotcha. Um, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, and some of the stuff that's on Blu-ray and DVD that if, if you want to f- check out, that's really good. Uh, Captain Fantastic is really good uh, with Viggo Mortensen. Right. Uh, there's a movie called Hunt for the Wilder People. It's amazing. I don't know if you. Uh, yeah, have you, have you seen that one? I love that oh, movie. Yeah. Oh, that movie. I went into that. I almost skipped that screening because I was like, eh, you know, it looks interesting and the trailer looked entertaining, but I'm like, I don't know if I really want to sit through that today. And I sat through it. I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe I almost missed this movie. Yeah, it's 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 on my list for last year. Um, I, not that I do list, but uh, Hunt for the Wilder People is one of the, one of the best films I saw last year or it came out last year. And then... Um, um, I'm a big fan of the movie, even though I'm very conflicted with it. I'm a big fan of the movie, the arrival or whatever, arrival, oh, whatever it is. Yes. That, um, that is one of the, I'm with you that I love that movie, but it is very slow. It is. It's extremely slow. What, where I fell in love with it is technically speaking. Like, I don't know how they exposed a single frame in that movie. It's like they lit the whole movie with a match. Um, right. It's, but, but done so artfully, the framing was fantastic. The sound design, I, I really hope in, in terms of the Oscar race, I hope it gets a lot of the technical awards. Cause those are the only ones I, I actually care about at the end of the day are, are the tech techs. So for me right. personally, I'm really hoping it does well on the tech side. Obviously it got snubbed on the golden globes, but, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to, and it, but then I found myself conflicted because, and, and you know, it's not out on Blu-ray yet, so I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who hadn't seen it. Cause it probably had a short run, but 
Um, it's just got some weird hooks in it that as a as a, a parent, I would disagree with. But whatever. That's what makes a good movie, too. I walked out of it debating it with the, the people I saw it with. So, Right. I, my only issue is I found it kind of predictable by the end of it. Absolutely. But, uh, but I'm the same way with you. I don't know how they accomplished some of the stuff what they did and how they made it look the way they did. I came out of it like, that movie is really good, but I can see how some people would hate it. You know, and, and those are the movies that engage me. It's like, I love this movie, but I guarantee my wife will hate it. <laughs> right. So I'm like, you have to see this because I kind of want to know what you think now. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I don't think you're going to like it, but I don't know. And and that's what it's. I love about film is a movie. There's been movies that I think she's going to despise. And she goes... I really like that movie. I'm like, do you? You like that crap? You know? And then vice versa, movies that I love that I didn't think she was going to like that she liked or she can't understand. I, I don't know. Did you see the movie The Green Room? Uh, you know, I never – I actually played with it in a festival and I, and I didn't get to go to the screening. I have not seen it, no. I heard it was – It's one of the – I heard it was it, good. It's one of, yeah, it's one of those that everybody loved. I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was anywhere near the amazing film everybody thought it was. My wife hated it. But because she thought it was going to be the skinheads and, and – you know, the, the skin. She immediately went from skinhead to Nazi, and there was going to be these crazed Nazis who were going to try to kill everybody. She had a whole different perspective. So we got out of the movie. She hated it. Right. Fair <laughs> enough, though. I get so, it. I totally get it. Um, but uh, one other, one other one I want to tell you that uh, that I just remembered is Nocturnal Animals. Nocturnal Animals is awesome. Oh man, I wanted to see that so bad. I just never had a chance. It is so weird in the opening sequence of that movie. I'm not even gonna. I don't want anybody to even give a hint of what it is will tell you right away that you're in for a very weird journey then you will not get it out of your head it is so weird oh that's great that sounds fantastic i don't know if it's fantastic because when you see it you might come back to me he's like why didn't you warn me yeah yeah totally <laughs> i i did hear it was a it was a it was a, a challenging movie um is, it is, is it's, it's hard to watch sometimes it's painful it's it's heavy um you know i saw patriots day yesterday and it's kind of the same way as it's a heavy movie at some points and you know, depend on your situation and what you've been through. It can't affect you. Absolutely right. So, um, if if you were kind of throwing advice, and and this can go, you can take this any way you want. You can take it to the general, just the general masses. But if if or you can direct it towards, you know, maybe another voice out there that that's got an idea to to do their reviews, or it could go to filmmakers. Anyway, but or it could just be in general. I mean, I, obviously, you're a very wise guy. I've I've talked to you long enough to know that that I like to listen to what you have to say. So do you have any kind of like advice for anybody going into this insanity of the entertainment industry? I mean, do you have any kind of like uh, words of wisdom you might part on them? Uh, yeah, here's the thing is, and, and I think this goes across all boards, whether it's filmmaking, artwork, you know, being a writer, whatever the case is, is, and this took me for y- years of talking to other people and listening to other people. And it was, I get, ironically enough, I got most of my advice from the art world uh, because I've been doing it for so long. I did conventions and I still do them and I still do my cartoon books and stuff, my comics that I'm working on. But it it was talking to people and starting to realize to stop trying to please other people. Start pleasing yourself when you're making something. And I'm sure you understand this when making a film because when you're making making whatever it is that is original that's yours, if you're not happy with it, nobody else is going to be happy with it. But even if you are happy with it, other people still may not be because we all live in this world where we all have difference of opinions. We have different – our own brains and our own thought, and that's why we're who we are. But people forget that and think that they have to conform conform to what makes everybody else happy. And 
you can look at stand five people in a room, all watch the same movie, look at the same piece of art, and every one of them will have a different opinion. You will never please everybody. You will never make everybody upset. You'll never make them happy. you got to make you happy moving forward. And then whatever it is, you just got to keep pushing pushing forward to make it you know figure out your thing don't have so many things happening at once find your passion and put everything you have into it that you possibly can to move forward and if it doesn't work keep doing it because anybody you talk to whether yourself that's made films uh comic book people people that are huge in the industry people that are small in the industry it's not about the money if you make it about the money you will fail you've got to make about making yourself happy and loving what you do and then hopefully the money will come if the money doesn't come you at least can be happy with what you put out in the world. Uh, as a cartoonist, when I do a convention, if I have one kid, little kid that smiles at my book or walks away happy or one fan that's happy, the entire book was worth my time. And that's kind of how I look at going into the, anything with martial arts, anything else. I've got to be pleased with what I do. Um, I tell my students all the time, when you get out on the floor, whether it's a tournament, a belt test, whether you pass or fail, win or lose, did you leave what you had, everything you had on the table, and were you proud with what you did? If that's the case, and that's all you need. That's perfect. I mean, and and that that's exactly why I I prefaced that by saying listening to you. That's ex- extremely. It's awesome. Um. All right. Well, is there? It's you know. Obviously, we we want people to, to to head over. I do because I want you to stay around for a very long time and 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 have a great relationship with you. So, just one last time, if you go to hollywoodmatrimony.com, check it out. Um. What when do you guys do the live shows? What what is the uh? What's the schedule on that? Uh, we actually do it every Sunday at 7 p.m. Central. Uh, we do it uh, to Facebook Live. Um, so it's over. We actually simulcast to try to make ourselves sound fancy. Um, but if you go to our, our Hollywood Matrimony Facebook page, it's just at Hollywood Matrimony. Um, then you go over there. You subscribe to it just like any other Facebook page. Uh, we go live at 7 o'clock Central there. Uh, I also simulcast on my own personal page just because I have more people on there, but we're trying to get everybody over to the Hollywood Matrimony page. Uh, we're also talking about maybe kicking off a YouTube channel, and then we also have a Twitter that's at Hollywood, and then it's just M-A-T-R because it wouldn't let me spell out the whole thing on Twitter. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but yeah, if you, go to, if you go to the website, we do giveaways, we do interviews, news. It's not just reviews, uh, so I'm always giving away um, Blu-rays and DVDs and prize packs and things like that. Perfect. That's why I'm saying it's like a perfect one-stop shop. So that's what you want. That keeps people. That keeps people coming back, right? That's the point. Yeah, and we always we tell people too, especially with our live shows and on the website. You know, we I tell people like if there's a movie out that you don't see on our site and you want me to review it before you see it, so you don't have to spend the money, let me know, and if I can, I'll review it, post a review, and then there you go. There it is. And then, uh, as as we mentioned earlier, uh, to any of our indie filmmakers out there, um, Bobby will gladly re- look at your project um, for review and, and whatnot. So uh, feel free. Yeah, just go down and go down to the bottom of our website. There's an email in there where you can subscribe, or just shoot us an email, and yeah, well, I'll I'll talk to you from there or through our Facebook page either way. And there you have it. There's Bobby. He does send me good swag. I'm not gonna lie. Um, that's not. <laughs> it was an enticement or payola in the old days. For this interview, I just really wanted to talk to Bobby because I thought it would be a, a, a really cool perspective. And as you can hear, he approaches seeing a movie completely different. He has a little bit of film experience, but more importantly, he kind of just has this real genuine take on watching movies. And his reviews reflect that. And I think it's interesting to sometimes put ourselves in the other side of it because so much of our business is focused on the stars and the moment and the production. 
Um, we don't talk a lot about post. I really need to get an editor I, and I, I know who I want. I, I just need to reach out to him again. But what happens even after post is we get into the marketing side of it. And that's if you're an independent filmmaker uh, or you've made a music video or any visual medium, the critics are the ones that can make or break you in some ways, right? You should make it for yourself. But the advantage of having a critic is if they champion you, then suddenly you start to maybe get that buzz train going and get that hype train going and the hype virus, as I like to call it, and kind of keep things fluid. So it's always kind of cool to hear the inside scoop on on maybe ways to do it. And he even, like like Bobby even said, he'll he'll take some indie screeners. So if you've got projects you want, I think he focuses on features. He may take other stuff, but if you got a chance, check out the website, hollywoodmatrimony.com, hit them up. See if uh, he'll review your stuff. I've made wonderful friendships over the years from just doing the hustle and hitting up as many outlets as I possibly can. Some, some you know, some of the big ones they they won't answer you, but guys like this are the ones I'm after anyway. They end up giving a much better, much more thoughtful review because they can treat it with that level of respect. So, with that said, stay sharp, stay frosty. We're gonna try and be back next week.